0: I am. I, we are what a couple weeks now into withdraw and return, and uh, next week we finish it. Next week it is over. It's done, uh, or next Sunday it's finished. Uh, and it has been for me a a uh, a really healthy um, journey. I don't know for some of you guys, and I know that for some of us, we don't all get to do it at the level that we'd want to do it, or at the uh, to the extent that we want to do it. Is that white line right on my face? Okay, yeah, you may just have to shut that screen off. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> just executive decision, y'all. Um, y'all don't even know the things we think about while we're up here preaching to you. Um, so if you think I'm looking at you, sometimes I am. Um But I, uh, I really, honestly, it's been a, a really cool thing to, to really begin to establish this pattern of withdrawal and return, to establish uh, something in my life. And, and, and like I said, even if you haven't been able to do it every day to the extent that you wanted to do it, what the enemy would try to do to you is to say, well, you might, you, you've already failed, you might as well quit. And, uh, you know, it's one thing I say to my son all the time. It's something that my dad taught me years ago is you should never quit. If it gets hard, try again. And, um, and, and obviously you, you grow through that. You realize some things through that. But um, I, I, it's been really a powerful thing. And in some ways it's powerful because of how practical and simple it is. You know, it's not some clever series title. It's not, you know, it, it's not some cool thing. It's, it's just withdraw and return. And next month, we are going to be talking about temple to table. That was a pattern of the, uh, the first followers of Jesus. They would every day be in the temple and every day be at the table doing life together. And so there was a pattern to that. So some of us would say, well, there's some of us who would say, well, I don't need the church. I just need small community. Okay. Uh, And then some would say, well, I'm just going to go to church, and I don't need to do the small community thing. And I would say that the Bible doesn't really preach either one of those exclusively. I think the Bible teaches us both of those corporately together in unison. And and so we're going to talk about that next month. It's going to be something we teach every single year, that the table will be paramount to us. And what John was sharing about, the gospel expands one at a time just as powerfully as it does. I I said this line, uh, in fact, I had coffee with Dave Emerson this week, Um, Dave and Stacia, which Stacey's back with Pastor Meredith right now, hanging out with the babies. Um, I love my wife, she's amazing. Uh, It's her birthday, not this Wednesday, but the next, and we will be flying to San Diego for C3 Pastors Conference, Um, and so that's exciting. But, um, how do you love a pastor who would hang out in the baby room? Yeah, you know, I mean, she's got two of her own, but she's in there, and uh, and so... um, But I was hanging with Dave, and I I said this line to him. It's one that I've been stewing on in my own mind. And sometimes I can be a little bit of a poke-the-bear kind of person. So some of this just comes out of that. Um, But I, I tend to think that the church still believes that when the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess, that it's only going to happen on Sunday mornings in a church building. That somehow it's going to be limited to those who had made it to church that weekend. And we still strategize and do things in that way. And I, I believe that Sunday morning church is uh, valuable. It's why we rarely miss, even when we're on vacation, we rarely miss church. It's something that I value, gathering with the saints and lifting up Jesus. There's, a, there's power in that. And, and, and yet at the same time, I, I don't know if that every knee will bow, every tongue confess is happening on Tuesday afternoon or on Sunday morning on Friday night. I don't know. And this is not to say you better watch out where you are when Jesus comes back. That's not what I'm, I'm just simply saying that, that every street, every street matters to Jesus. Every street. Not just the people who have a work schedule that allows them to come to church on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Not just the people who have uh, two parents in the home who are able to bring them. Not, it, not just, it's not just, it's everybody in every street. And he gathers the people so he can scatter the people so that we can be his light in the darkness. Amen? All right. Enough of that. Um, but I am, I am excited. The prayer nights have been amazing. Uh, we went from, I think, 20 the first night to 30 the last Wednesday, this past Wednesday. I've had every time I've had people come to me and say, and, and just so you know, it's not a worship night. Sometimes when you say prayer night, people just go, okay, so is it a worship night? No, uh, but that's because the church has kind of made it But because we haven't really taught the discipline of prayer. And so um, outside of, hey, go do it on your own. Uh, and so we come together on these nights and we really do create a place for you to withdraw for a few minutes and then we spend some time contending. Um, and contending would be us leaning into a future that has not arrived yet and praying for it, believing God for it, right? That, that you know, listen, if you're going to pray the Lord's Prayer and pray heaven on earth, you better be prepared to take heaven to earth, right? That there is a, there is a, there, you're praying for it because it hasn't arrived yet in its fullness. And so we contend. So we take some time to step back and just let God be God and be with Jesus and then we take some time and contend, and I, I'm just really thankful. Listen, 30 people at a prayer night on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, um, it, that's signs of life. It's signs of life, and uh, I've heard this word three, four times over the last week and a half, two weeks, and that's the word prepare, and I even think Lucas Connell kind of spoke to this idea that last year we, we saw these kind of green shoots popping up out of the ground, and some of you guys, you're new to this, and you're like, well, Okay, I'm in. Uh, but, you know, and he, but the, the very first Sunday of the year spoke to this idea that last year was kind of this preparing season. Uh, but you, you're about to move into a place where there's going to be fruit. And nobody comes to a field with green shoots. They come to a field with, green or, with orchids, is I think the way he said it. I, I don't know if he messed it up. But the idea that there was fruit coming, there was going to be fruit born out of this place that people are going to come and see it and experience. And I'm excited about that. Amen. All right. Hey, Luke chapter 5, verse 16. You don't necessarily have to be there. Go there. I'm going to read it. It's, it was our key verse from last week. And, and I'm going to go quickly, just like I said I was going to do last week, but I promise this week we're not getting done late today. Uh, it is it is my birthday tonight. I'm going to go celebrate with my family. I'm going to watch the Cowboys and the Champions. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can watch. Hey, yo, I am. Hey, uh, I'm. I'm a Kansas City fan today. There's no doubt about that. I, and if there was a way to keep the Packers and Niners out of the Super Bowl, you know I would do it. Um, and and uh, and Scott Will wants to talk to you about what the word fan means because you can't like the Packers and Cowboys at the same time. Okay, so Romans 12, verse one. I'm gonna. Okay, listen. So we're in a season. We're actually in a year. Where what we want you to do more than anything is abide, not achieve. Now, those are not disconnected terms. How many of you have heard the phrase, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are? Right? And that's true, except that often you can find out who you are by how you're doing things. And I don't mean that in the sense that, that everything about you, if things are bad, that you're a bad person. I just simply mean that, that who you are and what you do are often, you just can't take those apart. They're often linked, linked together. And what's happening on the inside, what's happening in your soul, what's happening in your spirit, what's happening in your mind, what's happening in your heart, what fills your heart. See, I think the heart is full and the mind is shaped. So our mind is shaped by things. Our heart is filled with things. Okay? So that's why when something hurts, it weighs you down. Right? But when, something's, when, when you're thinking on something, it wears you out. Because it's shaping you. You are running this. So, there's, so we want to be filled with courage. We want, to, we want our minds to have wisdom and vision and understanding. And, and so we're in kind of a year where we want you to abide in him. And so we've even said this phrase about withdraw and return. That we want to withdraw to see Jesus so that we can return looking like him. So when Jesus says, I went to see, and I know I'm repeating so many things, and I get it because, listen, ladies, you're like, I already heard this. Fellows are like, wow, this is new. Um, so, I, listen, we, we have to be people who are willing to be with Jesus to become like Jesus. We said this last week, that, that if we are, if there's a lack of waiting on the Lord, then there's possibly a lack of worshiping the Lord. In other words, we, we, we won't actually go to be with him until we value it enough to become like him. We we don't care to look like Jesus. If if we don't care to look like Jesus, we won't spend any time looking at Jesus. That's just the reality of it. And sometimes that's found through us realizing that we're hitting a wall, and we hit the the end of ourselves. And sometimes it's when we just we kind of kind of in a setting like this, and God goes, "Hey, I I really would just I wish you would just look upon me, the author and finisher of your faith." And when you get tired, think about Jesus, as the author of Hebrews says, because you will run this race with endurance if you remember what he did for you. And there's these, when we look upon Jesus, and so there's this element of just simply being with Jesus that matters. And our whole year is all about patterns, posture, and place. It's about seeing Jesus in you, me, and us. And the way we do that is by establishing patterns, adjusting our posture so that we can inhabit places. Does that make sense? More often than not, the issue with our posture is the, the, the issue of our patterns. The, the, the things we often and regularly do are shaping the way we stand and the way we speak and the way we think and the way we – Right? We, we walk into work certain ways. We walk into family certain ways. We walk into, and it's usually uh, because of are particular things, particular practices, patterns, rhythms, habits, however you want to say it, that aren't present in our life. That is not to simply say that this spiritual life is all physical. It is, this, it is to say, though, that spirituality and physicality cannot be separated also. That is why who you are affects what you do. But also what you do will affect who you are. That the things you're doing will do things to you. And so we, we kind of have jumped into Romans chapter 12, and I know I'm setting all of this up, um, and I'll probably do this a lot this year, but uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Therefore, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. It's your reasonable or logical way to worship, right? So if worship is offering your life to him, then it should be revealed and pre- uh, you should be able to see it in the patterns of your life. Because patterns, as Mark Sayer says, patterns are the way we worship. Patterns are the way we worship. In other words, what you do, what you put into your life, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For some of us, the issue is not whether or not God has a will for us. Some of us, the issue is whether or not we'll adjust our life to see it. It is, it is just simply, will we put ourselves in a place? I would guess, I would guess that for some of you who are really, truly practicing this withdrawal and return, that you're really establishing this pattern in your life, there are dreams that are either coming that are new or that are being revealed at a greater level. There is almost like, we've said it last year, Luke 1, verse 79, when, when Zachariah is talking about Jesus, that the sun would rise. And for some of you, it's, it's almost like, it's progressive. It maybe wasn't the first day. Prayer and fasting is one of those things you just, stick it, you just keep going, and if you weren't here for the first two weeks, you can do it for the next seven days. Um, jump in, whatever that looks like. And, uh, and, and, but some of us, the dreams are, are being revealed as we're putting ourselves in a place for the sun to shine on us. Just, just by raise of hands, anyone with vision or dream, uh, you're getting clarity, you're, you're, you're finding new dreams, you, maybe even dreams are coming, just they're, they're almost getting more concrete, if that makes sense. They've been a little loose and flimsy, but you're, you're almost like, yes, that's it. Anybody, just real quick, would you raise your hand if that's you, you've seen that over there? Wow, look at that, look at that, wow. Okay, so just, I'm just wanna, so maybe the will God has for you is still there. But are you there? And it is this willingness to just, okay, God, I'm going to be with you, to remove myself from all the things. We we read this last week, and some of you guys commented on this. uh, If we take note of and follow Jesus in what he did when he was not ministering or teaching, we will find ourselves led and enabled to behave as he did when when he was on the spot. In other words, if we will do what he did privately, then we will see him do it through us what he did publicly. And, and, and most of us are not willing to pay the price privately. You know, all the guys are going to play football today in those games, they have paid, we will see them for three hours play a game at a high level, right? But what we did not see is the seven days of practicing and working and, and discipline and, and the pattern of waking up and showing up practice, going through the playbook, doing all the stuff, the pattern of those things that actually revealed in them the purpose of their skill set. So the issue, we said it again last week, the, the issue oftentimes is not our skill set, it's our mindset. Okay. That's all the preparation for you, okay? Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 15 through 16 says, but the news about him spread even more. We shared this story last week that he's doing all this ministry. All this stuff's happening. He's healing people. uh, He's teaching these incredible messages. I mean, he is gaining a following. He's doing really well. He's got the blue checker next to, the blue check mark next to his name on Twitter. He is like official, official in the ministry. Things are happening. And so he. But Jesus, in the busyness, in, in all the stuff. I don't know about you, but if all things were going well and everything was happening and maybe you've been there, I know I've been there, everything's going well. It's all man, I'm cranking, everything's happening. I can forget to pray. Jesus just seemed to like that, no, forget to pray. what That's weird. What? Jesus was just always in tune with this. So it says, but the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. He often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Some translations say desolate places. One translation says the wilderness. A few translations actually say that. In fact, the word desolate has wilderness in it, either a wilderness or desert. It's it's to to move to an isolated place so that that you are alone, and most likely it's a a desert or a a wilderness. That's the the, the connotation of the word. That you would go into the wilderness to pray and to get away from all of the other things, all of the distractions, all all of the success and the failures, all of the easy things and difficult things, to get away from all of it, And and like the psalmist says, to be still and know that God is still God, and he will be praised, and he will be glorified, and he will be honored, and he will be lifted up. And there's something about getting into a place where nobody else will find you. Now, I I had this thought, and I was trying to figure out how we should tackle this, and we're just going to do it. Last week, we talked about withdrawal. Next week, we'll talk about return. Today, I want to talk about and Because for some of us, the issue isn't, I get withdrawal, I get it, I should step away. Awesome. And I, I get the return part, I should also come back. I just don't know what to do in between there. I don't, I don't know what to do between withdrawal and return. I, I don't know what to do when I get in private, and I'm like hanging out, and I, I have a Bible, yeah, and I have a Bible reading plan, and I'm like, I, okay, cool, it's guided and everything. But I, I feel like there's something more to it. I feel like I could do I feel like there's something else and and the way you're talking about it from stage and the way we're posting about it and all the things, it's it seems like there's something deeper or greater that's going to to hit if we can really get this down. And and so if we're going to pattern ourselves after Jesus, then, then maybe we need to just take a second to look at what it is Jesus did. Because Jesus would go into solitude often. He would make it a priority to get away, to be alone. Now, when we think of withdrawal, sometimes what we, there's two words that come up. And, and one would be solitude, and the other one would be isolation. One would be solitude, and one would be isolation. Um, one, one author says that isolation would be more about em- emptiness, and the other one would be about fullness. But Wayne Cordero says this, solitude, Solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. Solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the first. Isn't that good? Solitude is a chosen separation refining your soul. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the first. In other words, you are so empty you want to get away from everything because you've got nothing to offer. But solitude is I want to get so full. I want to get so uh, impacted. I want to be so impressed upon that I can be in a, make an impression. And then he says this, and I didn't have this on the thing, but prayer is thinking deeply about something in the presence of God. I think you probably threw up the other, Henry Nowen had a quote, and I, I, don't, I don't remember, here we go. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible. Now, Henry Nowen is acclaimed for being one who is able to step away. Now, he had some cra- like, challenging things, and you can look into his life, but, but he was one of the great writers and, and, and thinkers. And he says, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. It feels pretty matter of fact, and it actually, even as you're reading it, you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Right? You read it and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I can't take my marriage seriously if I don't actually spend time to be with my wife. Right? I can't take my friendship seriously if I don't actually take the time, however it looks, to be with my friends. I don't take God seriously and the spiritual life seriously if I don't actually take some time to get away and be with him. And so there's something about this that matters. There's something about getting into the wilderness, getting into desolate places, getting into places that are far away, getting into places that are, that are not what we are used to, that are maybe a little bit outside of what is normal for us. Now, I do think this is important to know. You're not Jesus. Don't, you, some of you are like looking at your friend or like, I know you think you're the Savior. You're not. You're not Jesus. Now, why, do I, why do I think that, that's important? Be, because as good as Jesus was at this, you and I are on a journey to become like him. You are not him yet. In, in other words, his mastering of being in solitude is not where you're going to start. It's why you need the Holy Spirit in you. It is why God sends the Holy Spirit to you and I. It's so that when we get into private places and when we go into these places of solitude, He can begin to minister and shape us and make us more into who He's called us to be. And Paul's great aim, actually, in the Gospels, he writes it in his letter, I believe, to the Colossians. He says, my my ultimate goal is to make you mature in Christ. Or having achieved a level of perfection in Christ Jesus. That you would grow up into who Christ is. But there is something about this word, and I actually love the translation that uses the word wilderness, because I actually think that, that's the challenge of solitude, because part of what the, the ancient practice of solitude would have been this, you be quiet in the presence of God, because how many of you and I, I mean, even when you get to the wilderness, you try to make it cuteness, right, like, you get to the, you try to sort it all out, you try to make it look good, you try to, and you act like everything's fine, you pray this great Jesus prayer, and you're like, awesome, and then you walk back, and you've dealt with nothing, You've prayed some great things, and I'm sure God hears them. I know God hears them. But, to, but sometimes what it is is to sit in the silence and to see what happens. And to know that God is with you even when you're not declaring something. To sit and know that even in the stillness, God is still God. That there is a wilderness that you and I enter into when we go into places of silence. I was on the phone yesterday even with a couple guys, and we're talking about what has it done to withdraw, to get away, to step out. We're talking about control, and we're talking about when I lose control, I actually gain control because I'm actually letting go of all the things that are causing me worry and stress and frustration, and I'm actually getting back to who I am, what God's called me to do, the dreams, as you guys all just illustrated. The dreams are coming back into my heart and filling my heart, and now I'm walking differently. Something that's different. I one, one of the guys yesterday it was a brilliant quote, and I'll tell you someday who it is. But uh, but it was uh, well, it was Bradley. So he said uh, he he said you know he goes he goes I don't always he goes I know I'm always gonna get back to God. It's just a matter of how long. And and and, and so I'm I'm glad he found Jesus again. It's been 12 years. But I no, I'm just joking. But I I I, I but, but here's the thing, right? Like what what, he, what he's what he's getting at is that there there is this thing where in the busyness of life. In the successes, in all the stuff, you can lose Jesus. He's not lost sight of you. He knows where you are, but he's wondering if you're going to turn around and look for him. He's wondering if you're ever going to go, wait, I was in step with Jesus. I have gotten a little too hurried. A little too, I've gotten a little too far ahead of him. I find that we rarely rarely fall behind Jesus, and we usually run ahead of him. It's usually the issue. Like a child, we take off, like we know where we're going, right? Even when we're in a mess, we think we know where we're going. And we take off, and Jesus is going, would you just hold on? And this word wilderness, it's a, it's a really powerful word, this idea that it's uncultivated. It's, it's, it, in fact, one uh, definition says it's inhospitable, that it's actually not a place to go, and that's exactly why Jesus chose it. But for you and I, when we go to the wilderness, we realize there are things that are running wild. When you and I actually go to the wilderness and spend some time away, we begin to understand that there are things and thoughts and issues and hurts and pains and things that are are still present in our life. And And the reason we often don't want to go to the wilderness is because we know there are wild things in there. For you and I to step back and to be quiet and to sit with the Lord. And we, yes, we're going to contend. And yes, we're going to declare. And yes, we're going to confess. And yes, we're going to share the promises of God. And yes, we're going to pray. But there's a moment where you almost have to sit back. Henry David Thoreau actually, and let me read it because I'll mess it up. He says, generally speaking, a howling wilderness does not howl. It is the imagination of the traveler that does the howling. That you and I, we get into these places of quiet We get into these places of solitude. We get into these places and we're not sure what to do. And so we start doing things. It's such an interesting thing for us as humans. We don't know what to do. So let's just do whatever comes to mind. And maybe, just maybe, God is saying you don't know what to do. So just stop doing something. You do not need to make my wilderness cute. I'm good. I I I want you here because it's only in going to the wilderness that you begin to understand what's running wild. And it's only in willing to go to the wilderness often enough that you are no longer fearing what is there. One quote that I read this week um, it said that you will know you, forgiveness is complete when that thing does not come to mind first. That when you see a situation or you see a person or you see a thing, the first thing that comes to mind is it the thing that causes you pain. But that is only because we're not Jesus. That is only in going to the wilderness and then coming back and then going back to the wilderness. There are things that some of you, even while you're successful at this moment, there are things that some of you have not grieved. Things that you have not properly just been upset with God about. And I do mean that. Rightly and properly upset with God about. God, why? And he's going, I can handle this. In fact, if you look at Jesus' prayers, and I'm not going to read them all right now, he tells the disciples the Lord's Prayer. Which I don't know if you know in the Lord's Prayer is so much deeper than you think, but I mean, you've got spiritual warfare, deliver us from evil. You've got forgiveness and confession, which is like forgive others, not just forgive you, right? You know that's in there, right? It's not just forgive me, but it's also forgive others. And it's all those things bring to heaven, bring heaven to earth. It's, hey, daily provide not weekly or, or monthly or yearly, but like today, just today, just provide today, right, like there's some really big things there, you pray the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gave that to the disciples, but Jesus didn't often necessarily pray those prayers, uh, it, it, there's always hints of the Lord's Prayer in what he prayed, but in John 17, and I'm not going to read them all, but in John 17, you can go back, it's one of the longest recorded prayers we have of Jesus, in fact, we we have more he often withdrew to pray than we do of actually his prayers, in John 17, he's praying with the disciples, and he's praying for oneness. He's praying for unity. He, he, he's praying for uh, that he would know what the Father's doing, the Father would know what he's doing, that he would be faithful with all that he's been given, and that they would do what, you, what I've made them to do and sent them to do. And he's praying for them, and it's, 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 it's strong, and it's positive, and it's unifying, and it's declaring, and it's all of those things. But then there's also this other prayer, which is famous. It's known, and it's just before he goes to the cross. It's the prayer of Gethsemane where he's gone into the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples again, because Jesus was vulnerable and honest and real. What I asked someone the other day is, hey, do you think there were any other prayers at Gethsemane? Like, I know no one recorded it, and I'm not trying to add anything to the Bible, but do you think Jesus ever, like, do you think this is the only time he was like, this is hard? Like, do you think this is, like, the only moment, the only time we see Jesus, that that this is the only time he thought this is getting to. Or do you think the times where he prayed all night? I feel like if you pray all night, there's more than just "Hey, it's all good." I don't don't. That's not. I'm just throwing it out there. But Jesus, praise this prayer, Gethsemane, God. I, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, Eugene Peterson wrote the message translation. Many of you guys read it. He actually said we've lost the art of the Gethsemane prayer. We've gotten so long. We, we We don't go to the wilderness. We stay on the edge. You, you remember this, the, the movie The Village? I don't care if you liked it or not. I'm just wondering if you saw it. Some of you are like going to Rotten Tomatoes right now. you know. Uh, it, uh, but but the, villi- the, the wilderness, the tree line, and this, is, this is a theme in, in multiple different movies. The wilderness was the edge. That was the end. You don't go past there. If you go past there, everything's going to go bad. And it's not true. It's imagined. And so many times we we don't want to go to those quiet places where we actually have to grieve something or forgive something or let God work on us privately so that he can reveal us publicly, so that he can show us who we are. But if we are not willing to retreat into those places... In fact, some of you, as you've been doing this withdrawal and return, you've been surprised by the fact that it hasn't all been easy. That it actually hasn't just been roses. Like it hasn't just been great and good and awesome, but there's actually been moments where God is revealing things that are still wounded. That if you just touch it, it feels a little bit bruised. It's not the same pain. It's not as bad, but there's still something there. And the the reason that's happening is not so He can make you feel pain, but so that He can reveal the pain so He can remind you that He can heal. That, That He is a healing God. And what you have not forgiven and what you have not grieved and what you are still thinking is howling wind is actually just you in your own imagination thinking that God isn't big enough and God isn't great enough and you better stay in the tree line because you don't know what's in the wilderness. What the, what the, the world does not need is a church who doesn't know how to go in the wilderness. The, 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 church, the world does not need a church who's never been able to deal with the wild things. Now what is it that when you walk into the wilderness starts running wild in your mind? And there are a hundred other elements to this. I'm not trying to say that withdrawal is all about you feeling bad about a thing or grieving a thing. I'm not, there is obviously the declaration and there is the contending, and you pray the Lord's Prayer. There's all kinds of things like that. In fact, let me just reference this. On our prayer guide, on our prayer guide, we have um, we have a, a deal that you can read through. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's an ancient practice it's just here's five things you can do that you can pray through, that you can use so go grab that, it's on our Instagram still you can still download it on our website go grab that and, and use that as a guide for you here's the ways you can do this I, I want it to be really practical I really do but I, I just felt really impressed this week as I was preparing for this because I did have other things that I thought I might want to share But for some of us, we we won't go into the wilderness and we won't go into desolate places because we're we're ashamed of what we are bringing um, or we're, we're worried about what we might find. We either think we are just not enough, can't be enough, God can't work with us, or we're worried that God's going to reveal some things and God is going to speak to some things. And again, this is always going to be a test of trust. Is it going to be that we are faith-filled enough to walk into the wilderness and go, God, I don't know what's out here, but I trust you while I'm here. And while I get this and I get that, I don't know what that noise is over there. And I don't understand what that thing is running across the horizon. I don't understand all of it. God, I'm asking you to reveal the things that are still standing in the way of me fully leaning in to the goodness and the presence of of God. What is it that's keeping me from returning with joy and grace? Because you cannot be close if you are being distant. And sometimes the places that you avoid because you're worried that there's too much going on there is actually the very place that you're going to find God at His greatest. That when your, when your weakness shows up, and God's strength is revealed, you, you begin to discover that God is not intimidated by the things you're dealing In fact he's been waiting for you to be honest about it so that he can begin to deal with it so again i'm not trying to say that every time you withdraw it should be this solemn you know man it's heavy i think sometimes you're going to pray the john 17 prayer god bring unity god reach this city god i pray for my neighbors and god i pray for my co god i pray for my family and you should probably do that every day even when you don't feel like it best way to get out of your own head is to begin to pray for someone else's right like going to pray for someone else's life and their purpose and their will. there's something powerful in that there's a reason for that but there will be days like Jesus. we don't actually know of it. Now what he does he says he says if there's any other way, crying tears of blood, if there's any other way, God, if there's any other way to do this, I came fully human fully divine, but we lose the humanity of Jesus sometimes. If there's any other way to do this, let this come pass from me. And in fact, it says he went back three times saying the same prayer. He came and found the disciples sleeping. Can I get a witness? Why are you up praying? I brought you to pray with me. Why are you sleeping? I told you he prays at night. He's a night owl. Why are you praying? And then he goes back and he prays again. And he comes back there asleep. He goes back and he prays the same thing. Jesus is wrestling with the wilderness of his own life. He's wrestling with the wilderness of his own calling. He's wrestling with what God has put in him to do. And yet at the end he says, and not my will, your will be done. You will find the will of God in the wilderness you have been avoiding. You will find the will of God in the places you've not been willing to go. But if you will go there and you watch as God shows up in those places, In ways you never imagined, I know that the Holy Spirit's already, even over the last 15 minutes, has begun to reveal to some of you the things and the hurts and the pains that are no longer cuts. There's no more stitches, but there's bruises, there's scars. There's things that you just haven't let God heal, and it won't always happen in a moment. It will happen as you continue to go to the wilderness, and you begin to realize the howling was in your imagination. And you begin to realize that on the other side of that wilderness is your promised land. As Rabbi Zechariah says, right, most people miss out on Canaan because they won't go through the wilderness. Most of us miss out on that promise because we won't go through the wilderness because we're not sure if we trust him enough. We're not sure if we, I can't pray that to God. God, if there's any other way, I can't pray. Yeah, you can. A third of the Psalms is lament and frustration and discouragement and anger and why are you doing this and what are you doing and I don't understand. And in that moment, God can answer you. Just start with help. God, I don't know. God, I don't get it. God, I don't know what's going on. I need you to show up here. I need you to show up now. I have no words. And then the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit goes, oh, good, I've been waiting for you to say that. Because I pray in moans and groans that you can't understand anyways. And if you just open your mouth, I'll, I'll give you words to speak. God, I thank you so much for today. God, I know that every one of us, not just some of us, not just that one person who's had a really tough life and not just that one person who's had a bad few days. and No, no, every single one of us have a wilderness. And for some of us, the dream's in the wilderness. We're not really sure what it looks like. We're a little bit intimidated to go there. But God, that's there. But for some of us, there is a, a, a pain. There's a trauma from our past. There's something that happened when we were young that, man, it just shows up. For some of us, we're not even, we did didn't—we don't even realize that it's affecting the way we operate, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we think. And this is not even trying to just always dwell on the things that have happened, but to simply say that, God, perfect love casts out fear. And we've all experienced some level of imperfect love. And so what we need is not to just read the verse, but to experience the verse, to experience perfect love experience that. And that is where the fear will go. When I know that even in my wilderness, you have a perfect love for me. That even in the desolate places, you have a perfect love for me. And I pray that just like Jesus at the end of 40 days in the desert, he was not weaker, he was stronger. At the end of 40 days of prayer, he was able to resist the temptations of the enemy. God, I pray that as we go in this withdrawal and return, as we continue in this, and not just 21 days, but we establish a pattern of withdrawal and return. That as we withdraw to the wilderness, to the quiet places, that the things you reveal, good, difficult, challenging, all of the above, God, we would begin to trust you with all of them. And God, in the midst of it, we would praise you would honor you. God, you would get the glory because you brought dead things to life. You would get the glory because you healed old wounds. God, you would get the glory because you restored old relationships. You would get the glory because you made new what was old. You would get the glory because you would pour out new wine into new wine skins. You would get the glory because the sun rises on dreams and callings and purpose because we were willing to go into the wilderness and be with you to become more like you and walk back into the earth, bringing heaven's posture with us. God, I thank you that you are alive and well right now, in this moment. Church, I want to say this to you, and then I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit what to do next, but I want to say this to you. I want you to hear me. You can keep your head bowed. You can keep your eyes closed. I want you to hear me. A new, old, you've been around for a minute, you haven't, you just showed up. I want you to hear me. This church will not be what it was a year ago. This church will not be what it was six months ago. This church, we are going into the wilderness, and we are going to discover the new things. We are going to discover the things that have been covered up, been sh- in the shadow, been shaded. We are going to co- We are going to walk into that place, and we are going to return differently. That what God is doing in the wilderness is preparing you. Because if you can live in the wilderness with Jesus, you can sure as heck live in the earth with Jesus. If you can walk in the wilderness, you can walk back into the city. There are things that just aren't even going to phase you anymore because that car just doesn't move as quick as that other thing. That thing doesn't sound as bad as that other. I am going to live in the wilderness with Jesus. I'm going to live there, not all the time. I'm going to withdraw, and I'm going to return. I'm going to withdraw, and I'm going to return. And I'm going to pray the unifying, God, bring life, bring hope prayers of John 17. But I'm also going to pray, God, if this is how you're going to do it, is there any other way? And if there isn't, God, I trust you. We're going to pray them all, and we're going to watch God work in all of them. I want you to take 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to let them play. And I want you to just ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? Or maybe the better question in reference to today is, God, what do you want to reveal to me today? What is the thing? Don't be afraid. Hear me. Do not be afraid. His perfect love is revealing something to you that he is going to heal in you and cast away from you and make new in you. So don't get worried about this. But I want you to take 30 seconds. I want you to just ask the Lord, God, what's been covered up? What's been hidden? What's in the shadows? you stand. I'm getting way more comfortable with that silence. I really am. God, I pray right now in this room, there's some of us who need to come back to Jesus. Some of us need to give our life to Jesus. Some of us just need to say, yeah, I'm going to follow the way of Christ. I'm going to withdraw with him. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to give my life, my sin, my addictions, my difficulties, my shadows, my shade, all this stuff. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to walk with Him. And it won't all be perfect and I won't get it all right, but I'm going to trust Him even in the wilderness moments. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to draw with Him. And I'm going to return a different person. I am a new creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. So God, I pray that. Lord, I pray over every person making decisions. Uh, Lord, I pray those people who even today have some things that have been revealed that are in the wilderness. I pray that as they stay with you there, they would they would begin to walk into a place of fullness of healing and hope. But I pray that you'd begin to restore joy and dream. Lord, I pray that you'd begin to Make ways where people have felt like things have been finished and done and over. God, I pray that that we would not be fearful, but God, that we would be uh, filled with faith, trusting you in every moment. God, as we would draw even into some places that might be considered wilderness, inhospitable to our life, God, I pray that we would find you there in those moments, and you would begin to make a, a, a path straight. You begin to smooth out the road, and you begin to make a way in the wilderness. Come on. Make a way in the wilderness for us to walk with you as we would draw with you, and we would return looking more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.